0: And it is Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. Keith Baldry is back with us, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief with Baldry's Beat. Keith, great to have you back, but boy, a lot is going on and has been going on. Uh, Where do we start?
1: Well, I mean, I like your conversation with Tom Davidoff there. I mean, this is an emerging issue. uh, We're still looking for the details on this unprecedented plan by the provincial government to basically reach over the heads of municipal councillors and insist on housing being built that the likes of which have not been considered by by many councils, so the list now in the in the government regulation that came out on last week wasn't just the, the so called naughty list of ten municipalities but forty seven municipalities basically being served notice. That day, too, we're going to have to live up to uh, some requirements uh, in terms of housing targets, which haven't been set yet. So basically every municipality in, in Metro Vancouver, 24 of them, uh, 18 on Vancouver Island, the bulk of which are in South Vancouver Island, Nanaimo and South of there, and the rest, just uh, five throughout the rest of the province, Kamloops, Kelowna, Prince George, Squamish. Uh, again, it's unprecedented, but it's um, some of the points Davidoff made very valid, uh, uh, very valid ones, again, this will not necessarily solve the affordability problem, but it may solve the housing supply problem.
0: It also says you're on notice, and that notice goes out to such a, as you point out, 47 municipalities. I think that was the biggest surprise for many of us. I mean, this is not just a Vancouver issue.
1: Oh, certainly not. I mean, South Vancouver Island, there's not much difference between South Vancouver Island and all the municipalities here. Um, and much of Metro Vancouver, and plus Kelowna. Kelowna has a significant um, affordability problem. I was in Nelson last year, and just um, for a conference, I thought I want to take a walk, go look at the. You know, of course, there's real estate listings everywhere. Go to the local realtor office and look at the homes there. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't afford a home in Nelson. I mean, we're still talking 600, 700, 800 thousand dollar homes, which require an enormous down payment. So even small towns in bc are out of reach for uh, when it comes to single-family detached dwellings but it's and the makeup of the neighborhoods are going to change significantly i live in fairfield in victoria which is a very desired and desirable neighborhood and sort of the king the capital of single-family detached dwellings but i have a feeling that our neighborhood most of the homes built around 1911 1912 aren't going to necessarily be torn down, but they're going to be joined by a heck of a lot of townhomes over the next while. But i just uh, walking with some neighbors today, walking our dog through Fairfield. We all agreed that doesn't mean you're going to see the $1.5 million home in, in Fairfield knocked down to $500,000. It's just going to mean it's going to be a $1.5 million home plus another $1 million home on the property. Because I think, Tom, and you touched on this. The immigration levels are are huge in the coming years. 500,000 people a year, federal government is... is um, uh, projecting to come into Canada, BC share that will likely usually one thirteen, so about sixty sixty five thousand people a year will be coming into BC. Our population grows by a couple hundred thousand just the last three years. That puts enormous pressure on housing. So I think this is an interesting step by the provincial government, but I think it's just one tool in a multi-tool uh toolbox. Uh, because I just don't see this necessarily having a quick impact on bringing down the price of housing.
0: You know, and growth begets growth. Hey, Keith, uh, speaking about some areas that have big growth, Surrey, and we're still dealing with two big topics in Surrey. I don't know which one is bigger because both of them are getting so much reaction. But Surrey Hospital, we've got more meetings coming up between Adrian Dix and and the doctors, as uh, they continue to express their concerns, doctors and the medical staff with uh, congestion and what's happening with the resources that aren't there. Yeah, so
1: the the big, uh, one of the big problems facing Surrey and other hospitals as well is a lack of hospitalists, doctors who work in the hospitals. If you don't have enough hospitalists working, you can't transfer people out of the emergency room into a hospital ward because there's no one to take care of them. This is why there continues to be this blockage at the emergency room in Surrey. But other hospitals are feeling a pinch here. Burnaby, Nanaimo have been cited by the minister as also problem areas. There is a deal being worked on, negotiated with uh, doctors in Surrey that will create... uh, potentially more hospitalists but again it comes down to a question of human resources which you can apply to all sorts of sectors out there i mean there's a reason why ferries keep getting canceled because they don't have enough workers they don't have enough people on shift uh healthcare we have routinely 15,000 people a week um, being absent, that compares to quite a bit lower number just a few years ago. So absences from work seems to be on the increase everywhere, and that's another contributing factor I think in in the hospital situation of the squeeze on uh, on resources because the hospitals are at capacity or near capacity,
0: but all it takes
1: is for one healthcare professional to be absent or a couple of them uh, for a couple of days, and that can really lead to a chain reaction of people being stuck in the system and not moving into a bed in a timely way.
0: Indeed, and we keep hearing stories about that. Moving over to the ongoing situation, but boy, a new development last week with Mike Farnworth, Solicitor General, and uh, Mayor Brenda Locke. Uh, The war continues between those two. What are we going to see? Is there going to be an end? There has to be an end to the Surrey Police question.
1: Yeah, and Farnworth's getting very frustrated about this. I've talked to him numerous times on this issue. Brenda Locke is is entrenched in her position, but now it's my understanding, I saw some report last week, that everyone on council, with the exception of Locke, has now read the unredacted report. One of the councillors put a news release out last week saying that anyone who read this unredacted report can, can come to no other conclusion than that you have to move away from the RCMP. And my understanding is the unredacted version provides in granular detail the number of RCMP personnel at any given time at work in Surrey in certain geographical areas and the conclusion from Councillor Elford's news release is that shows that the RCMP is simply not equipped to staff adequately the levels of policing needed to satisfy the ministry but under the Police Act has to be satisfied that there's a, a, a safe level of policing available to the residents of surrey so all it takes bruce is one counselor who voted to go back to the rcmp to read this report and then say hmm that doesn't look like a viable option and then flip and vote the other way presuming a vote is going to be held again on the issue of whether to go continue to go to uh, surrey uh, police services or go back to the rcmp all it takes is one person to flip And then it doesn't matter what Brenda Locke says because the council will go from 5-4 towards RCMP to 5-4 going towards Surrey Police. But the rule can't come quick enough for many people. Well, I
0: think we're very close to uh, one person flipping on that one. But is there going to be an an exit strategy for Brenda Locke from this issue, a saving face? Can she still manage to save face with it?
1: I can tell you, the, the government officials I've talked to thought this was the exit strategy they offered to her, which was $150 million of uh, money that wasn't there before. And uh, they pointed out that if you go to Surrey Police Services, you're not on the hook for severance payments if you go the other way of seventy two million dollars. So it was a big pot of money that they thought they were dangling in front of Mayor Locke and she either unexpectedly or expectedly said no, it uh, doesn't matter. We're not uh, we're not taking him out. Even Kevin Falcon, the leader of the V C United, is on one radio program said if he was in that position he'd take the money and run. Um most people think I think, are coming around to that position, but Brenda Locke continues to stick to her guns here, and it's unclear. Uh, Mike Farmer says he doesn't have the power to, to step in and order one way or the other, but if you read the police act, it, it certainly seems that he, he does have considerable power here to, yeah. to, to go one way or another. So the standoff continues, but I'm not sure how much longer it's going to go.
0: And as Bruce Collected did for Mike Smith, some big topics we're talking with Keith Baldry about, and you can weigh in 604-280-9898 with your questions for Keith. Of course, there's the reaction and fallout to those 47 municipalities now on the naughty list when it comes to housing. There's what's happening at Surrey Hospital More meetings between Adrian Dix and the doctors as they try to satisfy the medical staff with some of the concerns over a lack of resources there. And of course, Solicitor General Mike Farnworth versus Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke that just continues over the Surrey Police Service and the transition if that is going to indeed happen. Keith Baldry, we know that David Eby is in Singapore now wrapping up his Asia mission He's there to take a look at the housing policies. Anything that he can glean? Well, it's interesting. He's, this
1: is the first uh, ever trip by BC premier to Singapore. Usually, um, previous premiers have gone to uh, Hong Kong and China. Those are now off the list for visits. I've been on trade missions with other premiers to go, and we went to China, Hong Kong, and, and uh, Tokyo, which is always on the list as well, as long, along with Korea. But now, Singapore has been added. And Eby said uh, the reason he wanted to go there was that he thinks Singapore has a unique strategy for housing. It's an island nation of small geographical area, but a lot of people. And they've got a lot of state-owned, there's a state-owned corporation that's uh, heavily involved in the housing market. Also yesterday, he told us on Global that um, he was interested in meeting with one company that leases property from people and then manages it for them. And they have a huge number of uh, operations in Singapore, and they're interested in doing business in Canada and B.C. So he's there to collect some ideas to see what Singapore is doing right and what maybe it's doing wrong and see if it would be incorporated here in uh, B.C. But again, that's the first ever visit to Singapore by a sitting B.C. Premier.
0: Well, open to ideas. That's interesting. Uh, Let's go to some phone calls going to Chilliwack and Rob. Good morning, Rob. Hey, good morning, Bruce. How are you doing today? Good, good. Good. Okay, so, uh, you
1: know, Keith, it's no surprise to you I'm going to weigh in on this, on this uh, policing in Surrey. The fact is, I see a pattern with this NDP government. They're, they're meddling in municipalities and their housing. They overturned uh, the judge's decision by rewriting legislation in Kitsilano. And now I can see kind of foreshadowing they're going to start maybe potentially changing the Police Act. I admire Brenda lot for standing up to them, you know. But, but the fact is, if Mr. Farnworth is going to throw out this $150 million, and if he does impose his view on Surrey and say it's going to Surrey Police, the $150 million should be off the table, and they have to do it on their own. And taxpayers are going to get a good taste of what it's going to cost. That's what I have to say, guys. Thank you.
0: Okay, Keith. You know, well, Rob raises
1: a perfectly valid point. This government is reaching into municipal powers like no government before, uh, particularly on the housing file. Um, that, that's Again, this is unprecedented to basically lay down the law and say that for the greater good, you're we're going to curb your local independent powers when it comes to basic things like zoning and what buildings are going to be within your municipal boundaries. So that's, again, unprecedented. So I agree with Rob. This is um, an approach we have not seen by previous governments. I still don't know what's going to happen in Syria. Um, yes, the government has stepped in there to a point, but it hasn't brought the hammer down, and I'm not sure it will. I think they're still hoping for uh, a decision at the council level to get one councillor to flip here and vote the other way. I think that's still the intention here from the provincial government rather than just stepping in and bringing the hammer down and arbitrarily opposing something.
0: And it comes down to this whole idea of the Police Act. Uh, my understanding, Keith, and you touched on this, uh, is the fact that Mike Farnworth could be a lot stronger here if he uh, if he has to be. I shouldn't say want to be but uh, if he has to be, and actually use the Police Act to come in with uh, something, can't he?
1: Yeah, you know, my just a layman's read of the Police Act does suggest he has significant powers here. He says he's been briefed by his officials who say, no, that's really not how it works that you don't have that kind of arbitrary power but um, again i think this is an evolving situation and i think at the end of the day if nothing can be achieved at the council level there likely will be further government intervention but i don't think we're quite at that point yet
0: are we at the point where this might be an issue in the next provincial election with all those seats in surrey forget how many if you start to add them up but uh, is there enough of an interest in this issue to actually make it a provincial issue for Surrey?
1: Well, I've talked to Surrey MLAs about this. They say they don't think it's the top of mind issue in terms of, of voting. And certainly, if you go back to the last municipal election, the whole issue of Surrey policing was arguably the big issue. And yet, the voter turnout was abysmally low. That was below 40%. Uh, and of that, you know, no candidate really took a huge chunk. Brenda Locke got elected mayor of Surrey with less than 27% of the vote of the number of people who voted. So the turnout wasn't low over an issue that was supposedly a hot-button issue. So uh, that would suggest it's not going to be the determining issue in Surrey uh, come the next election. I still think affordability, housing, those double-deckers, portables in surrey which is reflective of the huge population growth there which is not going to diminish it's going to get more so i still think come the next election affordability will continue to dominate everything else whether it's surrey or elsewhere
0: okay keith it being monday uh, before we let you go here quickly uh what's what's on tap what are we looking at in victoria this week
1: if things are slowing down where the the legislature rose a couple of weeks ago people are on their proverbial. Starting to get into vacation mode. I do note that a number of ministers are starting to travel the province, though. We didn't just see a lot of travel from politicians through, of course, the first few years of the pandemic, and now we're seeing that. But also today at 1230, we're going to get an update on the opioid deaths from uh, Chief Coroner Lisa LaPointe. That's always a troubling time, so that's at 12.30 today. But I think it's going to be sort of slow down a bit for the summer. But the Surrey police issue is not going away, Bruce. There might be some developments on that this week. And, of course, Surrey Memorial, we're keeping our eyes on what's happening there.